good to see y'all. Wow. How have you guys been? I've missed you. Did you miss me? You better say it. Yeah. But here we go, man. This is the saved audience. They come at 9 a.m. Amen. So these are, yeah, these are the people that really love Jesus. And so next service, those are the people that say we love them, so we might as well go. But these are the people that say, I want to be in church this morning. So are you ready to have a good time in the Lord this morning, Life Church? Amen. Well, guys, as always, it is so good to be with you. As Pastor Dustin said, my name is Pastor Greg Washington. Uh, I pastor a church called Emmanuel, and it is right in the smack dabs downtown city of Milwaukee, Wisconsin. And uh, it has just been a riot, a lot of fun, and a lot of scariness all mixed in one. Amen? You want to see if you have faith, plant the church. Lord Jesus, help us. And, uh, God has just been so good. And so I'm, I'm excited to speak this week for Pastor Aaron. I love your pastor. I, I love him. Can we give it up for Pastor Aaron? <laughs> pastor Aaron, man. He's one of those guys that you get excited to see. You know how sometimes you have to fake like you're excited to see people? Yeah, sometimes even the people in your family, you have to pretend like you're excited to see him. But no, he's one of those people that I really genuinely get excited to see. He's a friend. He's a mentor. He and Pastor Ryan have just been amazing to my wife and I. Uh, my wife's not here this morning. Many of you know her as my sexy caramel macchiato. She couldn't make it this morning. Um, my mother is flying into town today. And uh, where my wives at? Wave at me. Okay, I didn't, I didn't realize there's this intrinsic conflict that happens. You know, I didn't realize the potency of a woman's home. Yeah, I, di I didn't until, you know, we got married and I would notice my wife would have crazy anxiety anytime her mother or my mother was coming into town. I don't get it. It doesn't make sense to me. But if, if in the event that my mother or her mother come in and they begin to straighten or clean, it is a straight insult to her because it makes her feel like, oh, you're telling me that my house is not together enough? So she's at home cleaning like a madman just to make sure that my mom doesn't clean. She wants her to know that I got this. So I don't get it, men, just stay out of it. Just, hey, just support them, amen. Well, praise God, you guys have started a series, uh, The Daniel Dilemma. And so I'm preaching week number two of that series today. And the topic that I'm speaking from this morning is the Babylon mindset. Everyone say the Babylon mindset. The Babylon mindset. And as we're going to implore this, guys, we're going to see us in the text. I like to read the Bible and see how it applies to me, don't you? I've got ADD, so when I start to read, he begot, she begot, he did this and that, I'm lost. But when I see, aha, that's how it applies to me. I love that. And so that's what's going to happen this morning. Because what's going to happen is my prayer is that God will, again, make our view of salvation very clear. God should make our view of salvation very clear. Many of you are like me. We've become so overexposed that we underrespond. What do I mean by that? Some of us have been in this church thing for a long time. Anybody been saved over five years? Raise your hand. Five years. Five years. God, wow. Ten years. Any ten years? Ten years? Ten years? All right. Twenty years. Amen. Okay. Anybody was in the Bible and walked with Jesus? Okay. I see you, sir. <laughs> Praise God for you. He signed your yearbook. Wow. Praise God. Um, 
Some of us have been saved for a very long time. You know the type of people I love, though? I love the people that just got saved because they're crazy for Jesus. These are the type of people that feel like they can go to hell with a water gun and say, you know, they're just nuts. Amen. But today we're going to talk about that because I don't care. Listen, I don't care if you got saved when you walked in this morning or if you've been saved for the last 50 years. How many people know that God still has to be the focus and the center of our life? You believe that this morning? God needs to be the focus and the center of our lives. Amen. So you Bible scholars, if you have your Bible, turn with me this morning to the book of Daniel. I'm going to be preaching from Daniel chapter 4 today. I'm going to start in verse number 28, and I'm going to work my way down all the way to 36. That's a lot of scripture. Forgive me. We're going to read the Bible in church. Is that still all right? All right. Daniel chapter 4. While you're turning there, a little bit of history about this text here today. We see a king, uh, Nebuchadnezzar, here in the Bible. And he had a moment. He's having a moment, you know. He's just having one of those moments. Sometimes we get to this place in our life where we're having a moment. What we have to understand about this guy, he's the same guy that looked Daniel in the eyes in Daniel chapter 2 and said, listen, man, your God is the God of all gods. You know, I'm submitted you know, I'm in line with him. He loved Daniel so much that then because of that, he began to promote Daniel throughout the kingdom. Okay, now we come to Daniel chapter 3. Then we see this is the same king that erects that large statue of himself, right? And then there's Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And then he says, hey, everyone should bow down to me. And these are three Hebrew boys that say, oh, no, we won't go. And uh, they don't bow down to him, okay? But watch this. It's the same same king in Daniel chapter 2 that says, your God is my God. But somewhere along the way, now we're in Daniel chapter 4, and his mindset had shifted. God, please help us this morning that we don't fall victim to the Babylon mindset. Daniel chapter 4, I'm going to start in verse number 28 for the sake of time. I'm going to get through this today. The Bible says, but all these things did happen to King Nebuchadnezzar. Twelve months later. He was taking a walk on the flat roof of the royal palace of Babylon. As he looked across the city, he said, look at this great city of Babylon. By my own power, I have built this beautiful city as my royal residence to display my majestic splendor. Oh, Jesus. While these words were still in his mouth, a voice called down from heaven, O King Nebuchadnezzar, this message is for you. You are no longer the ruler of this kingdom. You will be driven from human society. You will live in the fields with wild animals, and you will eat grass like a cow. Seven periods of time will pass while you live this way until you learn that the Most High rules over the kingdom of the world and gives them to anyone he chooses. That same hour, the judgment was fulfilled and Nebuchadnezzar was driven from human society. He ate grass like a cow and he was drenched with the dew of heaven. He lived this way until his hair was long as eagle's feathers and his nails were like bird claws. After this time had passed, I, Nebuchadnezzar, looked up to heaven. My sanity returned and I praised and worshiped the most high and honored the one who lives forever. His rule is everlasting and his kingdom is eternal. All the people of the earth are nothing compared to him. He does as he pleases among the angels of heaven and among the people of the earth. No one can stop him or say to him, what do you mean by doing these things? 36. Watch this. When my sanity returned to me, there's some, there's some wives praying that for their husbands right now. God, when my sanity returned to me, so did my honor 
and my glory to the kingdom. My advisors and nobles sought me out, and I was restored as head of the kingdom with even greater honor than before. Let's pray. Father God, in the brief moments that I have with your saints, I pray that my words are not my own. I pray that every word that comes from my lips is divinely placed there by my Holy Spirit. God, we don't want to say we were here. We want to say we were changed. So we acknowledge your word, what it says in Zechariah. It's not by might nor by power, but by your spirit, saith the Lord. So Holy Spirit, have your way in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 What in the world is going on? The Babylon mindset. I told you about this King Nebuchadnezzar. The brother is absolutely crazy. He's lost his mind. Watch this. The Bible says, and when his sanity returned, that means literally he lost his mind. What we see in Daniel chapter 3 is he had a dream. He had a dream of a tall tree that extended all the way to heaven. He had a dream of a tree that had luscious branches and fruit that were coming off the branches. And the branches would keep all of the animals uh, 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 cool under the shade of its branches. And then there's something happens in this dream where the tree gets cut down. Uh-oh. And the Bible says that there was nothing left but the stump of the tree. I don't know about you this morning, but I praise God for the stump. Here's why. Sometimes God doesn't use us for what we have. Sometimes he just uses us for what we have left. He doesn't use us for what we have. He uses us for what we have left. Jesus, praise God for the stump. The stump represents grace. Amen. I don't know about you, but sometimes all we got to give God is not the entire tree trunk. We just got the stump. So the Bible goes on to talk about this, and he's getting all the people of the kingdom together. He's getting all his magicians and, his, and these, these mystical doctors. He was into this type of stuff, and he's bringing them all together to interpret this dream, and they're all baffled. They're like, I have no idea what this dream is about. Then here comes good old Daniel, and Daniel breaks it down to him. He says, sir, I just need you to understand something. This dream is about you, and if you don't get your act together real soon, God's about to chop you down. He took the advice, but he didn't heed the advice. Watch this. Just because we don't see God's punishment does not mean that it's not going to happen. So here we are. He's on, he's on the rooftop, and he's admiring. He's admiring all he built. Whew, Jesus. And before you know, in, the, in an instant, his life drastically changed forever. You know the most dangerous mindset you can live with is the mindset I've got this. I've got this. I don't know about you, but as a man, where are my men at? Where are my real men at? Make some noise in this place today. Okay, there's a few guys going through puberty. Where are my men at? Come on, where are my men at in this place? Make some noise today. Awesome. Okay. Wives, you need to love your husband. Even when we're wrong, go with it. This one is match. I've been doing that for the last 30 years. Okay. My bad. I'm sorry. What do I mean by this? There's many times as a guy that I'm just wrong. Guys give up the fight. They're smarter than us. Right? And my wife will watch me. She will watch me exhort energy trying to fix something that she already has the answer to. But because of my masculinity, she's just going to let it happen. And then she says this phrase that just, it just, it, oh my God, it literally shatters the soul of a man How'd that work for you? <laughs> Everything you were doing just wasn't working, was it, buddy? You weren't ready to try my way? That's the same thing that happened in this text. God looked at this fool and said, how's that working for you? 
You know, I think God would look at our lives, and sometimes we get so overexposed that we under-respond, and we forget the potency of salvation, and we forget what it says in Matthew chapter 5, seek first the kingdom of God, and everything else will be added unto you. Do you realize that we're at war? between flesh and the spirit. And sometimes if we're not mindful and intentional, flesh wins. Romans 7, Paul says it best. He says, the thing that I should do, I don't do. The things that I shouldn't do, I do. I don't know about you, but that's an autobiography of my life. I'm just, hey, we're, we're, we're flesh. We're carnal beings. We mess up. We make mistakes. We have to keep ourselves in check. Sometimes you have to ask yourself the question, God, are you still the steering wheel of my life or are you just the spare tire? Somebody I connect with when I'm in need. Oftentimes, we equate salvation to people having a hard time in life. Man, you need Jesus. Oh, if they just had Jesus. But I think God is flipping the script on us today to, say, to challenging some of us who have it good in life. What do I mean by good? You may not have everything you want, but you have what you need. You have employment. You have some forms of making income. You have the ability to drive your own vehicle. You have a home. You have children who are healthy. You're actually successful in this life, meaning you may be a business owner or you may have your money working for you. That's my prayer for myself one day. And, and, and things are going well. But God's saying, you still need me. You still need me. A couple points we're going to talk through today, and then we're just going to give God the opportunity to mess us up. You ready for this? Amen. Point number one is this. Sometimes to win you over, God will wear you out. Woo! That's your tweetable testimony today. Sometimes to win you over, God will wear you out. God's a good father. Amen. You believe that? And the Bible says... What father that loved his children wouldn't discipline them? Can I just give you like a private little rant? Over hey, it's still good to discipline your children. Amen? Please. Hello. I'm just, I'm just giving a parent permission today. Discipline them. Discipline them and get a large stick when you discipline them. Okay? Don't say spank. Don't even say discipline. We'll call it an educational opportunity. Okay? Okay, a large stick, large stick, and, and they say, what is that? Oh, nothing, honey, this is just the Board of Education, okay, and just, I'm just, hey, that's for somebody. I don't know who you were, but I felt you needed that, and so, but God will discipline those he loves. The grace of God is so good that sometimes God knows in order to get our attention, there needs to be a train wreck that happens in our life. In order to get our attention, things we set out to do within our own strength need to plummet, need to fail. In order to get our attention, people we love may need to die. In order to get our attention, we need to get whooped. That's the grace of God. And what happened in Daniel chapter 3 Nebuchadnezzar couldn't get it, so God said, all right, dude, I'm going to literally make you a mad man. Your hair and nails will grow to these ungodly lengths. You, you will eat grass like a cow. You have lost your ever-loving mind, but until you get it, I have to let this happen because you're just not getting it otherwise. I don't know about you, but guys, I've just come to this place of maturation in my walk with God where I thank God for the valleys too. You know you've matured when you can thank God for the valleys. And what does he say in Psalms? Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I should fear no evil. Sometimes you get the clearest depiction of who God is in the valley. When things aren't going your way. Watch this. Have you ever been afraid? 
Come on, man. Scared people pray the best prayers ever in the world. Oh, Jesus. Oh, Jesus. Oh, Jesus. Oh, Jesus. What's sad is for some of us, that's what it takes. And God is saying today, the Babylon mindset is, a, is the mindset that I've attained it and I've achieved it. Think about our culture for a minute, friends. Our culture says, you do more, you get what? Promoted. You have more, you're successful. You know, you have these type of vehicles. You have all these degrees behind your name. You have this astronomical amount of money in your bank account. I've made it and I've succeeded and I'm doing well. But God says, listen, if I'm not the centerpiece or if I'm not head of your life, you're still failing, my friend. And some of us have been so engulfed in this culture that we forgot what kingdom success is. We forgot what it felt like when we were down and out and a broke college doing pray, praying that God would open up a door to give us a job. That that is exactly what God desires. Sometimes in order to get our attention, he's got to whoop us. I don't know about you, but I was the kid who had to learn real quickly. I don't like getting whooped. My mom's coming into town today. I'm a 31-year-old man, but she can still look at me, and it just brings back memory, trauma, just memories. Just I was wounded for my transgressions and bruised for my iniquity. I just, it just it scars me. So I was the kid that's like, okay, whatever it takes, I don't want to get hit again. I'm the same way with God. Lord, I, listen, I understand your sovereignty. <laughs> I understand it, God. I'd rather you worship you on the, on the front end than have to come back to you on the back end. Nebuchadnezzar, he'll have to whoop you. Think about this throughout scripture. He had to whoop people. Anybody remember that crazy dude named Saul? Saul, right? Saul, and then there was a conversion on the road to Damascus. Anybody remember that story? And the Bible says that he was on his beast. And while he was on the road to Damascus, the light shined. Can I tell you something? You know what he saw that day? Jesus. Jesus is the what? Light of the world. Watch this. Sometimes when the light shines, it hurts. You can put that in your Christian pipe and smoke it later. <laughs> Sometimes it takes an encounter with God to literally knock you off your feet. He was blind for three days to the point where God could then use him, mold him, convert him, and change his name. And there we see the wonderful Apostle Paul. But prior to understanding what God had for him, he had to get whooped. Anybody remember that dude named Jonah? Jonah was like me. Sometimes God calls me, and I'm like, no. No, absolutely not. You see these people, God? I don't even think you love these people. You're going to ask me to minister to these type of people? God loved Jonah enough to allow him to get eaten by a whale, just swallowed up, just, oh, dear God. Remember that dude named Moses? Moses was the first original gangster in the Bible, right? Moses, the deliverer. This is what God called me to do. But Moses was like us. Sometimes it's not the fact that we don't know God has called us. Sometimes we get ahead of God's timing. Ooh. And so Moses took matters into his own hands. And remember when Moses killed the dude 
And then what happened? Moses, he, he fled. He, 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 he got far away. And then in Exodus chapter 3, we see that, that God found Moses in the desert. The Bible says he was in the backside of the desert. It's enough to be in the desert. But how do you go to the backside of the desert? And remember this in the burning bush uh, uh, came in, in his view and it began to speak to Moses and God was calling him. And what did he say to God? He said, God, I, I, I'm not qualified. I'm not good enough. And what was God's rebuttal to him? Now you're ready. You thought you were ready before, but now you're at this place of humility. You're at this place where you're going to ask me to be with you each and every step of the way. You're at this place in your life where you still need my advice. You're at this place in your life where you realize sometimes before you make your plan, you might want to make a prayer. Ooh, dear God, help us. Recently, I was with a board and a board of pastors and, 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 and church planters and some of the sharpest cats in all of the, uh, all of the United States. And they're, they're you know, this, this is the favor of God. Sometimes you'll get in rooms and you don't even know how you got there. And, uh, you know, I'm on the board. I have no idea what's going on, but I'm going to pretend like I do because I'm just like, yeah, I'm one of the board. Of course. Yeah, absolutely. And they're going through these line items on the agenda and they're just knocking it out. And I mean, these dudes are brilliant minds. And I'm like, holy cow, I didn't even think about that. And they asked me, so, uh, yeah, Pastor Greg, what do you think? Yeah. And it just, just as clear as day just, just came off my mouth. I said, can we pray? Room full of pastors. And it was like, oh, yeah. Whew. Do you see this, friends? Do you see how we can get so accustomed to living life and so accustomed to making things happen? Instead of seeking God's advice, he becomes our afterthought. Oh, yeah, well, let's, let's uh, I've already made the plan. So let, let's now pray. Guys, we've missed it. We've missed it. And culture is fooling you, telling you it's all about you. You post your picture on there. You get the likes. You, 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 you. It's selfish. Think about it. Selfie. Holy cow, help me. But God's saying it's still about me. John the Baptist got this message because in John chapter 4 he says, so that I may decrease so that God can increase. The Babylon mindset says, I've got this, Lord. It says that I've achieved and I've attained in my own might, with my own intellect, with my, my own affluence. I've made this happen. The Babylon mindset takes, takes time and it looks at what you've built. But watch this. If it hadn't been for God, none of it would have happened. If we strip away every title, every role description, every dollar out of your bank account, all of the fine linen you're dressed in today, the question is, who are you? You know what? For some of us, that's very perplexing. Outside of the business you worked for, who are you? I don't know about you. But I don't want to just be known as a good communicator. I don't want to just be known as a pastor. I want to be known as a bond servant for Jesus Christ. Amen. I don't know about you, but I know in my own strength I mess stuff up. Sometimes the best thing that can happen is when God kicks Greg out of the way and he shows up. And I want to live a life accordingly. And guess what? It may not be popular to culture. But I don't know about you. I still want to live my life in such a way that I hear, well done. We see it in the gospel. 
We see Jesus interacting with his disciples. He asks his disciples a question. He says, who do you say that I am? Who does man say that I am? All of them, they're just little. Oh, I mean, I mean uh, they have no idea. Then good old Peter, I love Peter. Good old cussing Peter. Peter steps up, says, you're the Messiah. Jesus says, you're absolutely right. God had revealed that to Peter. Same chapter, we go down, and Jesus says to Peter, get behind me, Satan. What? But watch this. God had to correct him. He said, Peter, everything you're doing makes sense to man, and it's for man's affirmation, but it has nothing to do with the kingdom of God. So the question we have to ask ourselves today, so you lost your mind, here's the question, but have you found it? <laughs> so you've lost your mind, but have you found it? If we read in Daniel chapter 3, we see that God carried out, he carried out his plan. He had to whoop Nebuchadnezzar. But then the Bible says something somewhere in the midst of eating all the grass, in the midst of literally being crazy, he's lost his mind. There was one moment within all that insanity that he began to look up to heaven. Wow. You know what the Babylon mindset is? The Babylon mindset is to continue to look down. And we see everything that's in front of us. But you know what God is calling us to do? He's calling us to do what he asked the psalmist to do. I will lift my eyes to the hills from which cometh my help. My help cometh from the heavens, he who made the earth. He had a moment. He had a moment. In the midst of his own insanity, where the Bible says he looked up. And what does the Bible say? He was restored. You know what my prayers for some of us in this room today? Restoration. And the Bible says that he was restored to even greater honor than he was before. I don't know about you, but my prayer is that Holy Spirit be our spiritual chiropractor today. Some of us are out of line, and we just need a good crack so we just get back in line with you. Because maybe we've been consumed with performance. Maybe we've been consumed with what other people think about us. Maybe we've been consumed with what we, we see and comparing ourselves to other people that we forgot to think, God, what's your way? What's your plan? So the question is, if all of us are prone, vic prone to be a victim of the Babylon mindset, what do we do? I'm glad you asked me today. You stop and build an altar. Stop and build an altar. You know, in the Bible, in 2 Samuel chapter 24, the Bible says this. The Bible says, David built an altar there to the Lord and sacrificed burnt offerings and peace offerings. And the Lord answered his prayer for the land and the plague of Israel was stopped. Samuel chapter 24, we see good old King David at the end of his life. Sometimes it's the fact that we should know better. Good old David. David, you weren't even good enough for your own father. When the prophet Samuel came to Jesse's house to anoint the king, David, you weren't even mentioned. David, you were that 
crazy junior hire with puberty that walked to this battlefield and the spirit of the Lord came upon you and enabled you to defeat that which other men couldn't defeat. David, he's the same God that when you were in the caves and you were crying out, he spared your life. David, you remember Psalms chapter 51 when you were crying out to God because you lied and manipulated your own best friend and had him killed and then slept with his wife and conceived the child and you were the one that cried out crazily saying, have mercy on me, oh God, because of your unfailing love. By this point in your life, David, you should get, you should get the fact that it's probably not wise to move unless God is moving with you. In Psalms, we see this, and David got out of line. And the Bible says that he had to build an altar. And because David was the king, the gentleman that he was buying the materials from, he said, oh, no, you're King David. Let me give this to you. And David said, listen, no, I can't. Because he said these words. He says, I won't offer to the Lord that which cost me nothing. And he stopped. And he had to build an altar right there on the threshing room floor. What is the altar? The altar is a place of exchange. The altar is a place where something has to die in order for something else to live. Think about this, though. As much as I study the Bible, the altar wasn't as cool and and cliche as we make it. The altar was a messy place. (laughs) I don't know anything that's dying that won't put up a fight. (laughs) Think about this. You think an animal just like, all right, here I am, kill me. It's my time to go. Oh, no, it was a fight. They had to be tied down. They had to be wrestled down. It was a battle. For some of us, it's flesh and spirit, and it's a fight. 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 But here's what I'm realizing, friends. Sometimes it's not the matter of if you're in the fight, because you're going to be in the fight. Sometimes it's a matter of what it says in Philippians. It's not that I've attained it, but I pressed on. You got to keep fighting. And God's saying, it's still about me. It's still about me. All of your goals for this year, all of your plans that you have, it's still about him. Everything you're doing right now, it's still about him. Don't be King Nebuchadnezzar. For some of us, we may be in a season, and my prayer is that the Holy Spirit illuminated your mind today. The reason you're in that season is because you forgot to get on your face before God. Maybe it's been a struggle. Maybe things haven't been working out. Maybe you've been experiencing opposition on each and every side. Maybe you feel like you're just stuck in a rut and everywhere you turn is an incline wall and you can't make it out. Maybe God's saying, I'm just waiting on you to call on me. I'm waiting. I'm waiting. I'm waiting. 